0: Welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie badgick smith and in over a decade, I have helped to improve mental wellbeing of hundreds of older Australians. This podcast offers an authentic insight into wellbeing in late life, practical tips for those who support our elders, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person has a number of strengths that can be uncovered and promoted to help the older person achieve better mental well-being despite the changes in their health status.
1: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Voice of Age Care. And today, I wanted to talk to you about coping styles. And the reason why I thought it was important to address this topic is because we all have different coping styles and we've all been exposed to different types of stress in our lives. And so, you know, whilst there's no right or wrong way to go about coping style and ability to, to cope, I think it was an important topic to review in terms of where does it fit in when, you know, someone's perhaps avoiding something or if they're too focused on a particular problem and how we go about it and this came to light because recently I've I've been involved with a retirement village where the residents basically have been told that they need to move out in the next couple of years because the the site's getting redeveloped and you know this is a separate topic and I'll talk about it in 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 a separate podcast but it was just interesting to see with the coping styles and how people are dealing with challenges presented to them and their ability to problem solve facing the same issue. So that was quite interesting. But I, I thought I wanted to speak about this topic more broadly and to look at really what is going on with coping styles in late life and what we can do about them. So today, I thought we would go on a journey to discover, well, what is coping the, the, the three styles of coping that we all engage in and to talk to you about the key features of a, having adaptive coping mechanisms as well as what is maladaptive coping mechanisms and styles and how do we address those as well. And I'll give you some examples of stressors in late life. I mean, I just spoke about the retirement village, but that is not quite typical because it's quite unusual to move into a retirement village and then think, oh, well, I can't stay here and it's got nothing to do because of the changes in my health. So let's get into it. So we define coping as what people do to try and minimise stress. Stress is a normal part of our life and over time we have all learned different ways to cope with it. We may have adapted different ways of coping either by watching how those around us manage or through our own trial and error and we've all been coping with through times of COVID in a different way. And for some people, you know, self-isolation was totally fine, but for others it really impacted them a lot not being able to get out of their home or travel or do things, whereas for some it's like, well, you know, it's business as normal. So there are many different types of coping styles, but generally we can narrow the different styles in coping into three categories. So we either have the active coping, the passive coping, and the avoidance. Now, active coping involves actively trying to solve the problem and reduce the stress. And that is, you know, really about looking at how that person takes action to identify what is the problem and how we engage in that problem solving and being you know, on top of the game and actively involved. And that's really, that works really well for some. You know, if you have an active problem, it's like, okay, you know, example of the retirement village, yep, I need to find a home, I need to move out of here, I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to move out of it and I'm going to do something today, put my name on a different retirement village list to go about it. So active problem solving is really about taking that responsibility in action to resolve it straight away. Passive coping style, on the other hand, is feeling helpless to deal with the stressor or relying on others to resolve the stressful event or situation. So that might be like, okay, you know what? I am not going to do something about this. I need help. I can't do it myself. You know, I think of my little daughter, Mummy, can you tie up my shoelaces? So it's really about looking at how others can help you and, and feeling really helpless to deal with the stress or, or situation itself. In If I were to give you an example of, you know, someone in late life, it could be about, you know, feeling uh, feeling loss of confidence to uh, address issues, you know, be it to, to make an appointment, to see a doctor, to talk to a doctor, you need someone else to come with you, not because of person's health issues or mobility issues as per se, but more so about that emotional support and feeling, oh, you know, I can't quite do what I need to do. And so they, they really are relying on someone else to help with that, that mental load and the challenge that they're facing. And the third example of coping style is avoidance. You know, it can be in the sort of denial, this is not happening. And the only way the individual can deal with it is to completely forget it or distract themselves from trying to deal with it. And I've seen avoidance many times in, in older people. When it comes to, you know, downsizing, moving into retirement village, moving out of their unit that might have 30, you know, 30 steps to get into and really not thinking that they they are okay for a lot longer than they are when they need to make little changes in their lives. And I know a lot of cases or examples of people not following those little steps that they may have had when it comes to, you know, looking at looking after themselves and, and taking steps to consider their own health challenges and changes before they become too problematic. Over the years, especially when I do a lot, used to do a lot of clinical work, I would see an older person who was depressed, and then you say, "Well, how long has it been like that?" So it's been ten years, or anxious, or anxiety, not you know, not wanting to go to the shops, not wanting being feeling too anxious about leaving the front door. Sometimes symptoms can be there and present for a long time before the person actually does something, so they avoid those things that stress them, but then it can actually turn into a more of a problem. So. When we think of it, yes, I'm sure you all can think of example when it comes to a coping strategy where you are actively coping, when you are passively coping, and when you're totally um, avoiding it altogether. But I guess it depends really on the nature of the issue that is presented. And when you think about, well, does that problem need to be tackled or not? So when it is, you know, about a big decision that needs to be made, perhaps avoiding it or passively coping is not really appropriate. But then on the other hand, we can't be actively coping with everything that the life throws at us, you know. We you know, as they say, you need to pick your battles as well. So what I wanted to talk to you about now is well, let's look at you know the the situation as a whole and let's look at what kind of coping mechanism do we need to embed into that situation? Are we looking at looking at Problem solving and having adaptive coping mechanisms to deal with the problem? Or is it more about being maladaptive? This episode is proudly brought to you by the Enhancing
0: Emotional Wellbeing in Late Life workshop. This essential training is for anyone supporting older adults seeking practical strategies to reduce
1: isolation and loneliness and help older adults make new and exciting as well as fulfilling moments. Find out more today from wisecare.com.au. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to cover in a little bit more detail each one of those so you can see where it fits in and, and how that may sit in. And, you know, th- this can also help you personally in for your life, not just for, you know, when you think about your client and what they might be going through. So when we're thinking about the adaptive coping mechanisms, we know that there are five main characteristics that are included in adaptive coping mechanism and adaptive the word adaptive itself it means that the person is taking actions to adjust to and accept that so when we think about you know number one support so what that person might be doing is talking about a stressful event with a supportive person it can be as as effective way to manage their stress. They might be seeking external support instead of self-isolating and internalizing effects of stress. They can greatly it can greatly reduce the negative impact of a difficult situation. Relaxation. So any number of relaxing activities can help people cope with stress. Relaxing activities may include practicing meditation, progressive muscle. Relaxation or other calming techniques, sitting in nature or listening to soft music. I recently spoke with a GP um retired GP in retirement village, and he was saying to me, "Oh, what's the point of me having to do any relaxation techniques if I don't have any cardiovascular issues?" And so we then went through you know the benefits, the pros and cons, and the benefits of being in a calm state of mind. And we went through exercise itself. It's like, oh, is that what I is that all that I can actually do? That that's actually quite easy. And once we actually did the, you know, the, did the exercise itself, he became a lot calmer, and he f- found it really beneficial. I think for him, it was just the application of it that was an issue, and that he couldn't really fully see how he would go about it. Um, problem solving. So this coping mechanism is, involves identifying a problem that is causing stress and then developing and putting into action some potential solutions for effectively managing it. Humor, making light of a stressful situation, may help people maintain perspective and prevent situation from becoming overwhelming. And physical activity. So exercise can serve as a natural and healthy form of stress relief. Running, yoga, swimming, walking, dancing, team sports, and many other types of physical activity can help people cope with stress and the after effect of traumatic events, and when we talk about and when we think about exercise for a lot of older people, well, they they don't necessarily feel like that they can keep as active as they used to be one day, but it is more so about well, what can they do to keep active in a sense of preventing you know risk of falls or their muscles deconditioning or just not being as you know, as agile as they used to be, what can they do instead of you know not doing anything? What can they do instead if they can't be bushwalking and being active? What can you do instead about keeping active and mobilizing just to keep get the blood flow through the body? So those are the sort of uh, adaptive coping mechanisms that we think. It's like yes, talk to people, keep your m- mind relaxed, problem solve, use a sense of humor, and being physically active. And then when we think about the other end of the scale when people are being maladaptive. So that, you know, we think, okay, what they might be engaging in is escape. So they might be to cope with anxiety or stress. Maybe they are withdrawing from their friends and becoming less socially isolated. They may absorb themselves in a solitary activities, watching TV, reading or spending time online, having unhealthy or self-soothing activities. So these are the examples of you know, it's, it's okay to have some self-soothing behaviours in moderation. You know, you might have some Tim Tams or you might watch a bit of TV or you might be, you know, spending a bit of time online. But it becomes a problem if you're using it too much. And it, it and if, if you're not engaging with others and you're spending too much time online or eating too much or drinking too much, it really is not a really helpful coping mechanism. Excessive self-blame or criticism at times can be critical. We can all be critical of ourselves and our actions. However, it's not beneficial to blame or criticize ourselves all the time and taking responsibility for outcomes outside of our control. And lastly, excessive blaming or criticism of others. So some people have difficulty to accept responsibility of their actions and can unnecessarily blame others for outcomes, even if it was not Other person's fault. So just thinking about it from that perspective is also really helpful for you to know. Okay, well maybe that is what's going on, and this is why the person has maladaptive coping mechanisms. It's not just escaping and avoiding problem altogether, and you know, unhealthy, healthy suiting. It's excessive self blame or criticism of ourselves, but also of others as well. So in having said that, and you know, I hope this episode really makes you realize. Wow, there's so much when it comes to coping styles and how we go about them, I think it's really important to note that we all face different challenges and for older people in particular, you know, it can be really difficult when, you know, they're experiencing the grief and loss and they're experiencing changes in their environment and they're experiencing changes in their, in their support network and the coping styles can really become muddled up and they might find it really difficult to cope in many ways, with what is going on for them and what what the challenges are and the, the, the road ahead can at times appear to be quite dark and narrow, impacted by health issues and it, it's so much about it is that the attitude that you engage in when you go through these changes and when you go through those adjustments that need to be made and think about it is, you know, you're not alone. The person is not there just on their own, that there is Ability to support them, and that there is—you know—it takes a village to (laughs) look after a person, and and so it's not just responsibility of just one person. You know, taking on ownership of, oh yes, you know, I'll do it all this for you. But thinking about inclusion, involvement, joint problem solving, in a sense of partnership and teamwork to improve those outcomes so that we can all play an active role and, and support the older person through the challenge that they might go through, regardless if they live in their own home in retirement village. And also for you to know that if you are perhaps, you know, going through challenges yourself and the coping style through the challenges that you're having, it's, it's not a one person approach. You know, there's many steps that we can go about and and, and to solve it. So I know I've covered a lot in this episode today, but what I wanted to finish off today is just to talk to you a little bit about the problem-solving strategies that, that the steps, the seven-step process that we go through, and I know I teach this in my, in my workshop, Enhancing Emotional Well-Being in Late Life, but we go through what is the, you know, when a person has a problem and when they need to address it, what are the steps that we need to undergo to help them solve the problem? So I'm going to finish off this episode by giving you that list of seven steps that we engage in to problem solve. So number one, identifying the problem, what is causing the stress. Two, listing all the possible solutions. Three, looking at each possible solution and thinking about or writing down the pros and cons of each solution. Four, pick what you feel is the best solution for now. Five, plan how you'll implement the solution. Six, do it and evaluate how it went. And number seven, if it wasn't as successful as you had hoped, pick another possible solution from your list and try again. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, if you wanted to, you know, check out the website and see more about where, you know, what's going on and where new services and offers are available, you can check out wisecare.com.au.
0: That is another episode of the Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release the next episode by becoming a subscriber on over on your podcast app of choice. And if you can, please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is head straight to wisecare.com.au and check out my top downloaded resource five facts about me, which can drive better engagement with the elderly client regardless of your role in their lives. I'll see you at the next episode